Shalom and welcome to the Jewish mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The Jewish mind is particularly dedicated to exploring the wisdom of Judaism with a specific focus on its guidance upon modern issues. The modern issue that we are focusing on in this lecture is on embracing and utilizing the amazing powers of our feelings of discomfort and pain rather than avoiding the feelings of discomfort or pain through either denying them or numbing them. People say, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And nevertheless, it isn't always so. When it isn't so, many mistakenly interpret this as proof that the tough weren't so tough after all. However, this is a wrong conclusion. There is something specific that is needed for the tough to get going, besides the going getting tough and the person being tough. The following scientific study explains it well. Frogs being cold-blooded creatures have the power to adapt to the environment's climate. Therefore, when a frog is placed within a pot of water simmering on a low flame, the frog will continue to adjust its body temperature until it literally cooks itself to death. However, if the frog is placed into a very hot pot of water, the frog will save its life by simply hopping out. What is the difference between the two scenarios? The difference is the feeling of extreme discomfort and pain. In the first scenario, the frog never truly felt unbearable discomfort and pain, and therefore it just kept on adjusting itself to the mild discomfort, accepting its predicament. However, in the second scenario, the frog felt an unbearable discomfort and pain, and therefore, rather than accepting and adjusting to its predicament, it broke free. While human beings are warm-blooded creatures and don't have that power of adaptability to the temperature of our environment, however, we have a different form of fatal adaptability. The human brain is programmed to protect us from extreme feelings of pain. Our brain has the capability to completely lock away from us its, uh, I'm sorry, lock away from us memories of extreme pain, such as be being molested as a child. This is why sometimes victims only learn of their being molested while under hypnosis. Other human forms of fatal adaptability are such as the one I call the it's okay syndrome. While this power of human adaptability has truly saved my life, nevertheless it becomes absolutely fatal if we don't know when to stop it, to face that it is not okay anymore, 
and that we can and must stop the abusiveness being perpetrated upon us. What we are going to explore in this lecture is that until we aren't willing to stop protecting ourselves from the extreme pain of our reality, whether it be by us hiding behind the brain's power to lock away a memory from the conscious mind, or whether it be through the faith-driven adaptability of it's okay, we will not be able to connect to the necessary power of the tough get going, which is necessary to break free from the negative situation that we are in. In addiction recovery, we refer to this experience as hitting rock bottom. As long as the addict thinks and feels that he is okay with the situation, he has no hope of breaking free from his addiction. Another way that this is said in recovery is when the person gets sick and tired of being sick and tired. Being sick and tired often is the place of denial that we hide in from feeling our feelings. This is why what we need is to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Only then are we willing to kick up what needs to be kicked up so that we break free of what there is to be sick and tired about. The point being that as long as the addict protects himself from the total extreme pain and suffering of his addiction, he cannot break free of his hellish predicament. Why? This lecture will give us the answer to why, and more importantly, to the answer of how. However, the first point that we are making here is the absolute importance and necessity of feeling our feelings of extreme pain if we are to break free of our predicament, be it whatever the undesirable to predicament is that presently serves as our inner prison. This lecture is here to explain how to identify our feelings and then how to feel our how to free ourselves to feel our feelings. However, in order to beget beyond the blind spots of our mind and heart, we are going to first have to explore the mystical layers of the soul, after which we will return to the simple and practical lesson in our daily living and its challenges. I am referring to this lecture as one that will explain the Rebbe's last will and testament, while other than a legal document concerning the Rebbe's personal property, the Rebbe did not leave any last will and testament to my knowledge. However, the Rebbe referred to a series of the last four discourses that the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe's father-in-law and predecessor, gave out to be studied during his lifetime as the guidance of the previous Rebbe for after his passing. Based on this statement of the Rebbe, Hasidim now view the last discourse that the Rebbe edited and personally distributed to be the Rebbe's guiding for us after his passing. Chronologically speaking, the Rebbe edited and distributed this teaching in 1992, shortly before the Rebbe suffered a stroke. It was after the Rebbe's passing in 1994 that we began to treat this teaching with all the customs and focus 
as that with which the Rebbe treated the last series of discourses of the previous Rebbe in 1951. The Rebbe suffered from a stroke on the 27th day of the Jewish calendar month of Adar 1, which is just a few days before Purim Katan. Purim Katan is the small Purim celebrated in the first month of Adar of a leap year. The full Purim is celebrated in the following month of Adar 2 in a leap year. This is why the focus of this teaching speaks of the Torah portion of that time of the year, which commands us to crush olives in order to produce oil for the menorah in the Holy Temple, and of the Purim story with Mordechai and Queen Esther, in which the Jewish people were crushed by the persecution of Haman and produced the purest oil of faith and self-sacrifice. However, as we will see, the teaching and guidance of this teaching is timeless as it is priceless. The first introduction for this lecture is to understand the difference between an imposed feeling and an essence feeling. An imposed feeling is a feeling that is experienced because of something that was introduced to the person by his environment. An essence feeling is something that comes from a person unearthing within himself who he most essentially is. Let us take, for example, a person who belonged to a tribe in a desert, who never knew of the comforts and technology that people in a modern society have. When this tribal individual is introduced to the comforts and wealth of our society, he bores a deep feeling of desire for this new way of life. And then he experiences a deep feeling of extreme pain when this life of comfort is denied to him. This is an imposed feeling. However, there are feelings that come from a person being denied to truly experience who he essentially is. Take, for example, freedom and liberty. If we are to believe that man was created in the image of God, then we must believe that any form of dependence that denies liberty and freedom is to deny a person who he essentially is, for God has no dependency at all. The desire for freedom, and even more acutely so, the extreme pain of being denied liberty and freedom, is thus an essential feeling. The paradox of an essential feeling is that anything of the essence lives in the subconscious level without expressing itself. The mystical ruling concerning the essence states, essence does not reveal itself nor does it express itself. Thus, a person can live on a conscious level in total denying, denial of his own essence for quite a while. I personally believe that eventually a person's unintentional denial of living in congruency with his essence will surface in a deep expression of dissatisfaction and of a fractured self. However, even then the person doesn't directly know why he is feeling these deep feelings of emptiness and dissatisfaction. 
The point that I am making here is that the essence of a person needs no validation of even its own outer conscious dimension of self and does not naturally even look to express itself to himself. Essence just simply is. Therefore, most often, we end up trying to feed our inner hunger for self and purpose with imposed feelings of purpose and a cause. However, feeling an imposed feeling will never quench the deep thirst of the essence. This is why we need someone to help us consciously connect with and digest our subconscious self. For most often, we will not find our subconscious essence purpose on our own. In the works of Kabbalah and Hasidus, this is the deepest purpose of Moses and his successor within every generation which is the Rebbe of the generation. I dealt with this concept of a Rebbe being the mind and heart of the Jewish body of the generation in the last lecture. The main emphasis of this lecture is how to identify and how to feel our essence feelings. The soul is comprised of different faculties which form its different layers. In Chabad teachings, we focus primarily on defining the soul as of having five different layers. The teaching then divides these five layers into the three lower conscious layers called the interior layers of the soul and the two higher subconscious layers called the encompassing layers of the soul. The encompassing layers are infinite and on their own without our working on connecting with them, are abstract and disconnected with how we live our daily lives. One of the greatest examples of this disconnection in the Talmud is, the t is its teaching that, and I quote, the thief prays not to get caught. End quote. The total paradox and disconnect of a thief praying to God that he be successful in his theft is incredulous. He believes in God that God alone can make him successful and yet he does not believe enough in God to stop him from stealing. This is the encompassing levels of the soul. The interior levels of the soul are finite, tangible and accessible to our practical daily living. They are our intellects, emotions and the soul's expressiveness of thought, speech and action. Now the two layers of the encompassing levels of the soul as we will explore them in this lecture are vision and essence. Let us explain this for a moment. The soul is defined as and I quote truly a piece of God. Chelik elokai mimal mamash truly a piece of God. On the first encompassing subconscious level, this is the soul's power to have a true spiritual vision of God. On the second encompassing subconscious level, this is the soul being nothing else but a piece of God. 
the experience of the second encompassing subconscious level and its being nothing but a piece of God is the experience of faith. Not in a God who is out there, but rather it is a faith within self, being that the essence of the soul is nothing but a piece of the very God that the faith is connecting him with. Return now for a moment to our first introduction about the imposed feelings and the essence feelings, and you will see that the faith that happens through the first encompassing subconscious level is an imposed faith, imposed upon the soul by a vision of a God who is out there. On the other hand, the second in uh, the second encompassing subconscious level is the experience of an essential faith, which is all about who the soul essentially is. However, specifically because this is who he essentially, quietly, peacefully, and subconsciously is, he can consciously live without identifying or feeling the feelings that come from who he essentially is. This is precisely what makes this lecture so interesting and what makes life so challenging. What it takes to truly overcome all obstacles to absolute success is to consciously live with who we essentially are. However, we must absolutely, fearlessly be willing to honestly and openly feel the feelings of who we essentially are. This entails for us to A. Identify who we essentially are. B. To stop letting others tell us who we essentially are. C to fearlessly feel our feelings, and D, to stop letting others tell us what we can or cannot feel. I want to make one more introduction. It is said that often we don't know what we have until we lose it. I want to lean upon this truism and say that often we don't experience the satisfaction and fulfillment of being able to be who we essentially are, but rather we feel the extreme pain of not being able to be who we essentially are. This is especially so because the universe is in a state of exile in which evil is being allowed to overpower goodness. This exile is demanding of us to get involved to free goodness from evil and to subdue and transform evil in order for us to be able to experience goodness and kindness. Exile denies us to naturally feel our essence of goodness and kindness without us first overcoming and breaking free from exile's perspective gri pers persecution grip on goodness and kindness. This is why in these very 
times of the great gift of democracy and liberty in which we are each granted the pursuit of happiness and nevertheless this is astonishing and nevertheless the amount of people beneath the poverty line and the amount of people in therapy are at an all-time high it is because in these times of the dark, the dark exile, it is a true challenge to embrace the one and only thing that we need to find liberty and freedom of self from the inside out, and that is to fearlessly feel our essential feelings. More so, conventional wisdom is directing us in the exact opposite direction from feeling our essential feeling. We are being directed to protect ourselves from any feelings of discomfort, pain, and especially from extreme unbearable pain. However, in truth, the primary way, the primary way to fearlessly feel our essential feeling is to feel the extreme unbearable pain of not being able to truly be who we essentially are. And it is only this extreme unbearable pain that will empower us to be and the tough get going to overcome and break free from the inner persecution of not being able to feel and be who we essentially are. Recovered addicts understand very well what I am about to say while others often refuse to truly understand it. We numb our sense of feelings as to not have to feel our feelings. Addicts do it through alcohol, drugs, sex, codependence, work, shopping, eating, and the list goes on. Non-addicts do it by replacing their essential feelings with imposed feelings. Once a person came to an archery range and was totally impressed to see that one archer had all his arrows in the bullseye. However, as he stayed to watch the archer start his next round, he saw that the archer first shot the arrow and then drew the target around where the arrow landed. Now this sounds like a corny joke, yet... Isn't that what we are doing with our feelings when we replaced our deepest essential feeling of purpose with an imposed feeling of purpose? Jim Collins wrote a bestseller called From Good to Great and begins it with saying that the biggest enemy to great is good. Yes, our imposed feeling of purpose is good and that is exactly why it is the enemy of our essential feeling of purpose. It denies us to feel the ex absolute extreme unbearable pain of being anyone but who we essentially are. What exactly is this feeling of extreme unbearable pain that we are talking about? Simply speaking, it means that nothing means anything without being who we essentially are. It is even deeper than the give me liberty or give me death of a truly free soul. It is deeper 
because in an extreme unbearable pain, death is not an option. To be who we essentially are is the only option at any and all costs of self. In truth, we are only free to purely feel this essential feeling when any other imposed feeling is removed from us. The Rebbe of Righteous Memory said that since he arrived to the shores of America, he has been imbued with a passion for Mashiach, Messiah. In our exploration here, we can understand why. In the countries in which Jewish people are being persecuted, denied to practice Judaism, and denied to live within equal human rights, the Jew was not free to be able to purely feel the totality of his essence feeling, of his essence of his soul. The environment's persecution imposed upon him the feeling and yearning to be free Jews, to freely feel and serve God, which sidetracked him from his own inner essential feeling. It is precisely in the God-given gift of democracy, liberty, equal rights, and the freedom to pursue happiness in which the Jew is now free to fearlessly feel the extreme unbearable pain of not being able to be who he is. Who is he? He is essentially a prince at the table of his father in a world free of evil, exile, and of concealment. The ultimate gift is to be able to fearlessly feel our extreme unbearable essence feelings because only this feeling will bring about the ultimate redemption in which each and every human will be free to be whom we essentially are. And this gift which allows us to go on and feel our essential feeling is the gift of democracy. I am suggesting that this is why the Rebbe said that it is when he arrived at the shores of this gift of America that he began to purely feel the essential feeling of the free world that Mashiach will bring to us. In closing, I want to get into the practical implication of this teaching as it applies to our simple daily lives and our practical challenges. Previously, I spoke to you about how we believe that faith in God demands of us to tell ourselves that regardless of how bad the situation is, it's okay. I want to tell you that to say this is actually a lack of faith in God, a lack of courage to fearlessly feel our feelings, and a lack of courage to embrace a better life. God is capable of teaching us whatever it is that He wants to teach us through goodness and kindness. No, God does not need to teach us anything through pain and suffering as long as we are courageous enough to feel our feelings 
and to fearlessly embrace a perfect and happy life. I truly believe that most often we are our own prosecutor. We are the judge and we are the executor in our own heavenly daily court case. And God just sadly nods his head in pain as we do this. We need to stop doing this. We need to get past our shame and guilt and open ourselves up to deserving total goodness and kindness, which then bores within us our essential, extreme, unbearable pain that life for us presently isn't as such. Then this extreme unbearable pain slays our virtual prosecutor, judge, and executioner that we created to persecute us. And only then are we truly free to fully be who we essentially are and to live the life of goodness and kindness that we essentially deserve. Go for it. Be fearless. Feel your extreme unbearable pain. Embrace the ultimate life of goodness and kindness that you deserve. Live it. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the Jewish Mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.